There are a million ways to make money in the food service industry. You just have to find one. On the Titans of Food Service podcast, I interview real life movers and shakers in the food game who cut through all the noise to get to the top. My name is Nick Portillo and welcome to the Titans of Food Service podcast. Let's jump right into it. Welcome back to another episode of Titans of Food Service. I'm your host, Nick Portillo. And today I sit down with Candace Williams. Candace is the Director of National Accounts Away From Home at Calafia Farms, a trailblazing plant-based beverage brand on a mission to revolutionize the way we consume dairy. With a rich background in national accounts, including stints at Schwann's and Kraft Heinz, among others, she brings many years of invaluable food service sales experience to the table. In her role at Calafia Farms, Candace is at the forefront of the plant-based movement, helping national chain restaurant operators seamlessly integrate plant-powered options into their menus. She's not just about products. She's about empowering her partners with insightful consumer data to drive informed decisions and menu innovation, ensuring not just change, but growth. And you'll see that as we get into the conversation today. What sets Candace apart is her holistic approach. She doesn't just offer products. She provides a comprehensive range of support services from culinary ideation to distribution planning. This ensures that every product launch is not just successful, but also smooth, reflecting her commitment to excellence. Join us and me as we talk about her journey, insights, and exciting developments in the world of plant-based food and beverages on Titans of Food Service. Let's go ahead and welcome Candace. Candace, welcome to the Titans of Food Service podcast. I appreciate you taking time out of your day to come on and meet with me. Hey, thanks for having me, Nick. I'm super excited for our discussion. So I know we talked off camera a little bit that you live in Utah, and I'm actually doing a trip upcoming to Deer Valley. And uh, don't ask me where that is on a map because I've never been to Utah. This will be my first time. And going out with some friends, and I've never skied before, so I'm going to go skiing and take a lesson and learn how to do that for the first time, which I'm excited about. Well, you picked the right spot. Deer Valley is very, very nice. Um, I love Deer Valley. It's in Park City, where the uh, Winter Olympics were in 2002. And you're in for a treat. If you've never been to Utah, it's beautiful. And that is probably the most beautiful resort in Utah is Deer Valley. That's where I like to ski and I like to mountain bike during the summer up there. It's my happy place. So you're going to love it. Ooh, that makes me really excited. Yes. Yeah. My friends picked it and, um, you know, so they're, they work on the, like the details of it and whatnot, but, and I'm just along for the ride, but I'm looking forward to it. I'm excited. Well, I will give you tips on restaurants in that area because that there's a ton of great restaurants and there's actually a distillery up there that everybody raves about. I'm not a, a whiskey girl myself, but everybody loves High West Distillery. They do a double oh, ride that apparently is just the most amazing. Oh, that's a good uh, segue into what I like to call the fiery five food service questions. They're five easy icebreaker questions. So my, my first one is around Deer Valley and I wanted to see I'm going to be there for four days. What restaurants off the top of your head would you recommend for me to take a look at? So around Deer Valley, it's pretty close to Park City Main Street. Deer Valley has a lot of great restaurants on the property, but I would encourage you to go on Main Street because that's where the real food scene happens. First and foremost, River Horse Grill. 
Um, that's been a local uh, institution for many, many years. Always great food and service. High West Distillery, um, go for a, a whiskey sampling and then um, definitely try some small plates. Great for like a happy hour. I've eaten there a couple times. I don't prefer it, but um, you might find things you like on the menu. And then I would head up to Squatters, which is a local brew house that is just a super fun vibe, great craft beer on tap. And then there's a little Givlato shop right on Main Street too that you could end your evening with. So really you've got happy hour, your main, a little bit of a nightcap at the brewery, and then you could have ice cream. That's perfect. That's perfect. (laughs) Thank you so much. I appreciate that. My next question is, what about a popular dish or meal that that I must try uh, if I'm going to be in Utah? Something specific to Utah. Oh, man. I love this question. Fry sauce. So get... What is it? It's called a fry sauce. And what it is, it's just mayonnaise and ketchup. Some people put barbecue sauce in it too. It's basically an aioli that you dip your fries in, but it is a Utah original uh, that we're known for is our fry sauce. Ooh, I've never heard of that before. Okay. I'll have to check that out. Yeah. We are also the green jello capital of, I think the world. (laughs) I uh, spent some time at craft food selling jello. And from what I know that uh, we still hold the record of green jello cells. So you probably won't find it on restaurant menus, but we are very well known for jello casseroles. I had no idea. I had no idea that that uh, is it. Utahns or how do you, like I say Californians? What someone? Yeah, Utahns. 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 Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. I Utahns. didn't realize Utahns like uh, Jello. If you could have dinner with one person, historical or alive, who would it be, and why? Oh man, historical or alive? This is a loaded question. There's so many good good people to choose. You know, I really love Oprah Winfrey. Mm. I would love to sit down and have a chat with her. She's a great philanthropist, great businesswoman. And just, yeah, I think that she would be fascinating to sit down and have a conversation with. But I mean, there's a list of probably 10 that I could think of that I would love to sit down with and and have a, a rich chat. Amazing. What is one restaurant chain you feel is leading the way in food service innovation and why? Oh man, that's loaded too. Like what if I, what if I don't pick one of my customers? What if I pick someone that someone else doesn't like? Um, (laughs) yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot of, uh, good restaurant chains that are doing some, some great things. I personally love what Jack in the box is doing right now with their marketing campaigns and spreading across the country. I think their marketing is innovative. You know, they've partnered with Snoop Dogg recently on a late night pop-up that was all the rage. You know, you also have McDonald's that's doing some really innovation, innovative things with robotics and they just opened that Cosmics, their yeah. beverage and kind of quick eats to compete with Starbucks, which I think that's going to go like wildfire. So yeah, I think that that would probably be the top two just off the top of my mind. Those are great choices. Thank you. And then my fifth question is, rank these five restaurant chains that all started in Utah, one through five, without knowing what comes next. Okay. So the first one is Cafe Rio. Man, probably four. I would give them a four. I think it's pronounced Cup Bop. Cup Bop. Mm-hmm. Um, five. Nielsen's frozen custard. Oh, that's got to be a two. 
Swig Drinks. Three. And then Arctic Circle. Oh, man. They're probably number two in the uh, frozen custard, probably one, but they're going to have to be one. That's all that's left. <laughs> and I'm really upset that you didn't mention KFC because we are home to the original KFC. I was going to say, I had that on my list as a sixth one, and I didn't realize that KFC did not start in Kentucky. The first location was in Utah. Correct. It's still downtown Salt Lake. You can still visit it. Really? Yes. Oh, that's cool. I, yeah. Yeah. I mean, fun fact. I had no idea. Okay. So now you have to tell me, like, how close was I? Was I completely off? To the ranking? Yeah. Oh, no. These are just your personal preferences. Oh, my personal preference. I'm sorry. I thought you meant, like, when they opened. If you want to <gasps> go preference, then number one would be Cafe Rio. I eat there a couple times a week. I love like, I Cafe am Rio. Mexican food junkie. I would eat Mexican <laughs> food for breakfast, lunch, and dinner if... <laughs> if my body would allow me to. Yeah. <laughs> oh my yeah. God. Sorry. I clearly didn't understand the question. No, you're totally fine. Yeah, I love cafe Rio. We get the, um, my wife and I like the, um, pork barbacoa, the sweet pork. Whew. No one else sells that, that I, that I'm aware of, at least around me. And, uh, it is phenomenal. It's so good. Yeah. I like all those places that you mentioned. Honestly, I, I eat at all of them. Um, I haven't been to Arctic circle in a while. That's more of a summer treat for me, yeah. but yeah, the rest on the list are, are classic Utah and favorites. Nice. Well, Candace, maybe a little bit about your background, who, who you are, you know, what's your job? Maybe start there. So, uh, I am a director of national accounts for a brand called Califia Farms. We specialize in alternative dairy or plant milks, as people would call them. So oat, almond milk, coconut, uh, different bases. I have been in the food service industry for about 15 years and um, just climbed up the ranks through the very bottom to um, now a director role. So um, happy to happy to be with Califia Farms. They're based out of LA which uh, LA is my second home that mm-hmm. I always like to go to. So it's a bonus for me. Amazing. How did you get into food service? You know, I took a non-traditional journey through uh, to food service. I Early in my career, my parents owned uh, garden centers. And so like where you buy plants and trees and soil and shrubs and things. And so I really learned how to sell and how to upsell and you know, work hard, things like that through the family business. And I think it was around like 2000-ish that I decided I wanted to um, do more in sales and get out of retail and doing, you know, long hours on the weekend, holidays, things like that. So I applied to a gift company that was selling like furnishings and decor to our garden centers. And uh, after getting hired on with the gift company, I did gift sales, which included like seasonal items and handbags and jewelry and things like that to gift shops Mm -hmm. across uh, Utah, Idaho, Nevada area. And 2008 hit. And that was a 100% commission job, which I really thrived in because I am very money motivated, like a lot of salespeople. And so (laughs) um, love the the commission only, but it was really feast or famine in 2008 when the market crashed. And so I knew I needed to get into something that um, people needed, not wanted. So I looked into the different opportunities in sales and really food and pharmaceuticals rose to the top. I applied for Kraft Foods sales position 
on their team thinking that it was retail, not knowing what food service was, as most of us don't know in our 20s. And um, luckily, the hiring manager, I, I need to take my hat off to him, Todd Essex, he really took a chance on me because I had zero food service experience, like never been a waitress, never worked in a restaurant. And I just sold like giftware to grocery stores on their gift aisle. So uh, yeah, I, I started my career at Kraft Foods and that was a great like kind of food service 101. Mm -hmm. I was a key account manager. And so I had the opportunity to call on distributors as well as um, customers and it was the territory of Utah and Idaho. And so I called on all the distributors like Cisco, U.S. Foods, some independents, Nicholas and Company. And I also got the opportunity to call on vending and CNU and healthcare and like just everything that food service encompasses. And so it was definitely a baptism by fire <laughs> because my whole team was in Colorado. I was here with a counterpart, but she uh, got promoted quickly to beverage manager. And so she was no longer like supporting the area and me not knowing much. Like I went on maybe two sales calls with her and then they're just like, all right, figure it out. <laughs> so my awesome buyers at Cisco Intermountain, they trained me food service. They like, they, they told me what to do. They partnered me with the reps that I should ride with. And it really was like a baptism by fire. And I just was reading all the sales books and there's no sales books about business to business sales and food service. Mm -hmm. Like one day I might write one because I think it's necessary for these young 20 year olds yeah. uh, that are trying to figure it out. That was my journey into food service. It's funny you say that. That's one of the reasons why I started this podcast over a year ago is when I got into the business back in 2015, I had just graduated from college and my dad said, this is an industry you learn by, by doing. You got to go out there and, and, you know, I know that we use the term drag the bag and, and go see customers door to door. And he's like, there's no books you can read on how to be successful on this. You just need to go out there and do it. So I, I, I feel like it's like jumping out of an airplane, building your parachute on the way down. You know, you're, you're constantly learning as you go. And so when I started this podcast, I was like, this could be the book that he was referring to that never existed. So I totally agree. I listened to many of your episodes and honestly, I've, I've gotten a little piece of, of advice out of each one. And so I think it is the book that these new people need to read just fresh out of college that are like, oh, what is food service and how do I do this? Yeah. How long do you think it took you to really say, you know what, I got it. This food service thing, I, I get it now. Say three years. Like at the three year mark, I mean, of course, like after a year, I was I was doing well, but I think at three years I was really thriving and I understood the machine that food service is and how to go into a customer and actually convert a, a sales call into an actual case sell, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, to, to really sell cases. So I think it takes about three years to establish yourself in a market and just get the grasp because there's so many different pieces in non-commercial and contracts and, and all of this, these different facets to learn. And so, yeah, three years. Yeah, I, I think that's definitely, for me, I'd probably say around the same. It took a while. It, you know, you can have, let's say, an operator say, yes, I'd love to buy your product. Then you have to figure out a way to get it to them. You have to go through distribution of yeah. some sort. Like there's so many different things you have to check off as opposed to, okay, you want to buy it? I'll bring it to you tomorrow. Uh, or you can buy it right now and I'll, I'll send it to you today. 
it's an interesting, interesting sales process for sure. It's a crazy process. And I mean, you get those customers that call you, like I used to sell coffee and coffee equipment with Kraft Foods and you want a job that you get 5 a.m. angry phone calls, sell coffee and coffee equipment. <laughs> and so that was a really good learning experience. I was kind of a one woman broker because so many of the uh, different lines that Kraft Foods had yeah. at the time. And it was the original Kraft Foods, not the Kraft Heinz that we know today. And so I would get calls all the time at like 5 a.m. And I would literally have coffee at my house in case I needed to take a case wow. to a customer because that's what you had to do. And I am like an expert mechanic on coffee equipment because that's what you had to do. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. Yeah, I would want to get that early morning call, uh, especially with coffees. It's yeah. a very important thing to a lot of operators out there and their early morning oh, yeah. customers. Talk to me about what does your role look like in present day? Sure. So I call on um, national uh, chain accounts mm -hmm. uh, of all different sorts. We have a very large coffee business, which we sell to large coffee shops, mm -hmm. which was uh, semi-new to me. I had always sold coffee at Kraft Foods, and it was something that uh, I really enjoyed. And this is just coffee shops to a whole new level because uh, oat milk is such a, a prominent thing in coffee shops today. So anyway, I, uh, I sell across the country. And I also am a member of our leadership team, Calipia. And so I do a lot of strategy and planning and all the things that come with being on a leadership team for a, a food service company. We call it away from home because we're not selling food, we're selling beverage. But uh, also my job encompasses just taking care of any of the customer's needs from ideation sessions, innovation sessions, contracts, you know, every, everything that uh, food service sells requires from start to finish. So I prospect, I, I do consumer insights, I do innovation sessions, I'm strategizing on what we're going to do. I'm, I'm helping the internal teams with system recommendations and software recommendations and things. So yeah, I wear a lot of hats. Califi is a smaller company. And so coming from a, a Kraft Foods and I also worked at uh, Unilever before and going from that machine that all of these processes take place in the background that you take it for granted. Now I do all those things and it's, it's kind of a wild ride, but we're on a rocket ship and it's really fun. Oh my gosh, that just sounds fun. And I know we were talking off camera before we started and Calafia started here in California. And I, I see that brand all over the place. You and your team have done a phenomenal job and it, it's a very, very, very popular brand. Yes, yes. We are very well known. We're a leader in the space and it's just an excellent product. Honestly, all of our customers that that do use it. They're very dedicated because there's just um, no comparison yeah. in the market to our quality and just our, our service and, and everything about the brand where we resonate very well with our customers. Sure. Talk to me about the innovation sessions. What do those look like? Yeah, sure. That's a common uh, national account practice is uh, you get a customer to let you come into their office or you host them at your office and Basically, you go through consumer insights and then you show them uh, concepts. And so you get culinary involved and you actually create concepts that you think might work for that customer. And so it's normally about an hour to two hour session and it's very uh, joint that the customer helps you plan the session like, hey, we're 
We're trying to increase our morning day part. We're trying to attract more millennials. And so you kind of tailor the presentation and the consumer insights to what the customer's needs are. Then you play in the kitchen. So that is honestly the funnest part of my job is doing innovation sessions and just sharing that, hey, this is where plant-based is. This is where it's going. Um, this is the market research we have on on Gen Z, millennials, boomers, and how they resonate with plant-based. And then, hey, we've got some really cool ideas that we think would work for you on a future LTO. So you bring the consumer insights with you or they have those typically? We bring the consumer insights with us because we are the, the manufacturer and the expert in that field. And so we collect it through different data sources, data essentials, technomics, NPD, like Mintel, all of those different sources. And we pull it together to make it relevant to the customer. What about when it comes down to pricing? You know, let's say someone's going to buy truckloads of your product. Is there like a formula that you look at in terms of what the what the proper price will be? Or how do you determine that? No, you know what? There's there's no one formula. I've never, unfortunately, worked for a food service company that had a good formula for that. Um, really, it just depends on the, the volume that the customer has, um, the item they want, and how they're getting it to their door. Because distribution is also a, a cost. And uh, so depending on how they pick it up or we deliver it, all those sort of things factor into kind of a formula that we do have. And with national accounts too, do they go through broadline distribution or do they have their own uh, internal distribution? How does that work? Sure. So national accounts, it's all over across the board. It depends on the size of the customer. I mean, some self-distribute. And so they will just pick up from RDC and um, they'll, it'll go to a commissary and then they'll self-distribute. Others will go through McLean or Sigma or PFG Custom, which are kind of um, specialized in chain business. And others will just go through normal broadlines, Cisco, U.S. Foods, and, you know, smaller, smaller independents. Gotcha. So it just depends on the chain, but it's all over the board. Like some of the big ones are going through like Cisco regularly. And so there's just no rhyme or reason to it, to be honest. Yeah. What if you want to... What if there's a national account that you've never called on before, but you want to build a relationship, you want to present yourself and your products? How do you typically start a conversation with somebody? Well, I love this question and I get asked it often. I'm a rare breed. I love the hunt. And so I am I I like taking care of my customers, but I really like prospecting and I really like cold calling and getting new business. So the first place I start is LinkedIn. LinkedIn is a great channel for especially uh, chain accounts and start following the company, start following leadership in the company, start following the supply chain. You know, at any one company, I might follow 20 people before I even talk to them just to see what they're up to and see what the chain is up to. LinkedIn, you know, sometimes I'll send a message to, you know, the supply chain contact or maybe a culinary contact on LinkedIn. The response rate is, hmm, I'd say probably eight out of 10 will respond and at least put something nice. But usually the best way uh, is to go to LinkedIn, learn about the company and then meet them at a trade show or some kind of conference event. Mm. And so really it's like a two prong approach because I've already been following their company, following their people, kind of know what they're up to. And then I organically you know, run into them at an <laughs> event or a trade show and introduce myself. And then I can talk intelligently 
about what they've been up to in their business because I've been following all of these people on their team. And that's really how I get my foot in the door. That is so smart. I would imagine, you know, some of these or many of these national accounts you're you're calling on, there's probably a lot of people trying to get a hold of them. And it sounds like you found a, a definitely a very innovative way to, you know, cut through all of the noise and get their attention and have them have you become a resource to them. Yeah, absolutely. And it also comes through posting on LinkedIn. I mean, I, I can't fathom why people are afraid to comment on customer posts or random people's posts on LinkedIn. Like uh, people that I don't do business with, if they post something that interests me, I'll make a comment. And then that resonates with them and they remember me. Oftentimes I'll walk up to someone at a trade show, never met them before in my life. And they'll say, oh, hi, it's nice to see you again. And it's because my presence on LinkedIn, because I'm opening up the conversation and I'm continually kind of on their mind. I also post relevant um, data about plant-based and what's going on in the industry or what's going on with Calafia. And so uh, people, people notice that. So I think it's an important piece that, especially in social selling and the new environment we're in, that if you're not well-versed on social selling, you should definitely learn and get bulk up because you have it. it's necessary in today's market. Oh, absolutely. When you look back on your career, is there a sale that comes to mind that is one that is very memorable to you? You know, where it was something like you, you overcame a big obstacle or you sold a lot of product or just something that, that is really memorable to you. Yeah, I do have a, a, a few favorites, but the favorite that I'll pick is from my um, regional sales manager days at Schwann Foods. This is kind of the, the pivotal turning point in my career that I knew I wanted to get into national accounts. So I ended up, um, we had a broker at the time and um, they were instrumental in this sell as well. We prospected Disneyland and we wanted to sell them pizza crusts. Mm. And so got with the broker and we game planned a couple key targets in the LA, Southern California area. And Disneyland was always the top of the list. And me and the broker partner, like it was a pipe dream because they had been with a partner for eons and we didn't think we had a chance, but through the broker's relationship, she was able to get us a meeting and we started the courtship with Disneyland and ended up about a year and a half later um, winning the business. And that was really a pivotal moment that I'm like, wow, like bigger sales are my jam. Like, this is what I want to do. I don't want any more of these like <laughs> one unit, three unit diners. Like I want to do this because I like all the dollar signs and I like the, the big fish to reel in. Yes. There's, it's a certain feeling when you land a big one and because the big ones a lot of times they're they're harder they take longer uh and when they yeah. hit it, it's it, yeah it's a feeling you can't even describe absolutely and disneyland was such a fun customer mm -hmm. to work with because what a lot of people don't know about selling food to disney is you're not allowed in the park when it's open so you can only go like, because I was selling pizza, I had to go work with the chefs and dial in their cooking equipment and their ovens. And so we would go before opening hours and they take you on a behind the scenes golf cart tour 
to go to the location and like take you around the back and you get to see all sorts of fun things behind the scenes. So yeah, definitely still one of my, my favorite experiences and my favorite customer to work with. Amazing. Looking forward into your career, what is something that you'd like to achieve that you've not yet achieved? Oh, I want to sell a McDonald's. I want to land McDonald's. That's, that's a big, it's a well on everybody's list and um, really hard to get into uh, organically. And so, uh, you know, I'm, I'm working all the magic. I probably follow a hundred people from McDonald's on LinkedIn, but, uh, have not been so lucky yet. So that's, that's a really big, big well account that, that I really want to accomplish. And I mean, just moving up the ranks in food service, you know, I, I think that, uh, VP of sales is in my future and who knows beyond that. So I really enjoy food service and, and what I do. Incredible. Well, Candice, thank you so much for taking time to do this. Is there a way that if anybody's listening that if they'd want to reach out to you, a best way to contact you, maybe through LinkedIn? Yes, I would encourage people to reach out via LinkedIn. I actually do a meetups with new people all the time, just virtually. Yeah. Um, love meeting new people and networking. So absolutely, if you want to network with me, um, find me on LinkedIn. I'm uh, at Candice Williams, Utah on LinkedIn. If you search just Candace Williams, Utah, I will come right up. Are you doing any upcoming shows like a the fancy food show or pizza expo or uh, NRA show? Yeah, absolutely. I'm going to do Coex. I'm going to be at the dot innovation show. I'll be at market vision. I can't remember what I'm going to be at the last, the second half of the year, but those are the three that are, they're coming up. So yeah, if you see me at a show, please introduce yourself and, and let's meet. Candice, thank you so much. Again, I, I really appreciate it. And I enjoyed our conversation. And now I'm very excited to go to Utah when I go in a, in a couple of weeks. So thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. And thanks for having me on. And if you need any tips while you're in town, I will give you my cell phone number and please hit me up. I, I'd love to help you out. Sounds good. Thank you, Candice.